What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. This is Wednesday's edition. We are re-recording an intro. Jason Lockenfor is excited to talk to me for the second time today. I'm Will Brinson. This is the Daily CBS Sports NFL Podcast, and we're re-recording it because... Since this more since Tuesday morning and the, the, during Tuesday during the day, things managed to escalate so badly in Mexico in terms of the field conditions and what NFL team NFL league officials saw and what the Rams and Chiefs saw that they've canceled the Mexico game and sent it back to Los Angeles. Jason, uh, are you stunned at this development and how quickly this happened? Well, I'm not on the field, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, right, you know right, right. It must have been pretty bad. I saw some still pic- pictures of it, but I didn't see any. Video, you know, I didn't see people trying to run on it and wiping out and face planning or whatever must have been going on down there. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to know from 3,500 miles away, um, you know, how that sod was or wasn't taking or setting, et cetera. But obviously it was in dire shape for them to, to cancel it when they did. And with all the logistics involved and TV crews and teams, you know, with traveling parties in the hundreds about to, uh, you know, depart here in the next couple of days. I think it's obviously a prudent decision, and it's a shame for the fans in Mexico, and, and they've got a fervent fan base there, and one that's that's um, rapidly expanding and um, I think is a little different than their footholds in other countries in that you know, from, from talking to people at the league office and they do their market research and their, you know, their demographic studies and everything, I think there's a level of year-round fandom, almost like a lifestyle fandom mm. in Mexico that's similar to here. You know, like the London games, people have their teams and whatever, and you may wear it, you know, a jersey to the game, and but you don't have, like, hardcore, um, I don't think, Steeler and Packer bars and stuff like that. You know what I mean? The right, way you right. would in Mexico City and, and throughout that country. So, you know, they want to keep growing the game there and they're going to keep playing these games. You know, Azteca is a stadium that gets a lot of use. Club America plays this, you know, their, their home soccer games there. It's where the Mexican national team plays all of its games. Concerts, a lot going on. And obviously, unfortunately, the field not up to snuff. Um, but I, I would not by any means uh, look at this like, oh, you know, it's going to be like a hurdle in the road right. or anything like that. Right. Well, do you think, I mean, are you surprised that they didn't try some other, because it's, I mean, it's, okay, it seems like, and there was chatter about uh, players on the Rams and Chiefs potentially saying, hey, look, we're not going out there. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, we talked about it, you know, this morning when we first recorded it, but like, if you're Patrick Mahomes, or if you're the Chiefs or Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes, why would you put Patrick Mahomes on that field knowing that you're you're in the playoffs? And the same thing with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and yeah. Kareem Hunt. Like, why would you put those guys on a on a field that is begging to tear an ACL when you're already basically in the playoffs? And if you lose one of those guys, you could really slam the door shut on a major Super Bowl opportunity. Like, that to me is the obvious reason. Surely those teams and players said something to the league like, hey, look, this like we're just not going to – like, we saw, as you pointed out, RG3 – uh, you know, on the field at FedEx in the, in the slop conditions, we're, we're not going out there and risking life and limb. These guys don't know how to play it any less than 100%, right? Yeah, and I think also, I mean, you, you know, you have something that's this established um, where everyone's all noticed that this is really poor conditions and they're just being resodded. You know, I, I think you have the specter for potential lawsuits as well, right. you know, depending just how, how bad this is. I mean, trust me, 
they would not make this decision lightly. They would they they are not happy about having to do this. Right. This is not at all what anyone wanted, hoped for, expected. They're going to have to give refunds left and right. I'm sure they will try to convince a lot of those people to apply the funds towards next year's game, but we don't even know who's playing or when yet. Um, and let's face it, this was going to be maybe the game. I mean, when's the last time we've had a game like this? First of all, the London games are usually early in the season, you know, and they're always involving the Jags and the Raiders and the teams in temporary homes, and they're usually not great games. I mean, here we are, the the, the heat of the playoff race about to start, and you've got – the game of the year and for them to be playing it on, um, you know, international soil, trust me, they didn't make this call unless they felt like it was literally the only thing to do. It's crazy because like this, the over under for this game opened at 64, which is the highest over under in recorded modern NFL history to open up with. Um, you have the two most exciting and maybe you could, if you want to nitpick, you put the Saints in there, but you have two of the three most exciting offenses in football, uh, two of the, of the best young quarterbacks in Mahomes and Goff, two of the best young, you know, two of the last, the last two rushing leaders, the guys who were one and two last year in, in rushing yards. Uh, in, in Kareem Hunt and, and Todd Gurley, explosive wide receivers, tons of talent on both sides of the ball, Monday night football in an international stadium in Mexico. It was going to be a shootout. It was going to be awesome to watch. I mean, this is a, this is a, I'm, I'm stunned the league didn't try and force it to happen or at least like bump it to week 12 and try and, I don't, I don't know if they could have done that with Mexico. It's just, it's yeah, wild. Yeah, you look, you can't get people. You, I mean, you're talking about hotel rooms. You're talking, there's yeah. a lot of security yeah. that goes into this, a tremendous amount of security. Yeah. And they've got additional forces on the ground. You've got league security people, additional team security people. Um, there's a lot that goes into securing these hotels and make, you know, like, it's, it, it's, it's untenable. Um, it's it's on either play this game now or you know what I mean or you yeah. you you punt till next season. Do we know what the do we know what the um the concert was because there was a concert on Saturday that ruined it. Um, I, I'm I trying, don't know. I'm trying to. Would it have been November seventh? It would have been November seventh, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it looks like you it was Polestar or something like that. Yeah, One of those uh, online concert listing places. Oh man, I, maybe. You're a, maybe have it there. You're a, you're a concert aficionado. I bet you. I bet you spend a bunch of time on Polestar, don't you? Uh, I usually, you know what? All the concerts I go to are in New York, so I used to go to Polestar, but it's always when I'm in New York on the weekends, so I just go right to Oh My Rockness. Oh wait, you Oh My Rockness. You you go to Oh My Rockness? That's a yeah. Good you one. should get a great site. I will check that it out. All indie la- like indie concerts and like unsigned bands in Brooklyn who are pretty good. Like, it, it's the full throttle, all the way from, like, Elton John at MSG to, like, you know what I mean, Mother Feather at some dive bar and, like, the Bowery or whatever. Oh, that's sick. All right, I'll check that out. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll get them sponsors. Uh, it looks like on Saturday they had – I'm uh, going to see Jack White in Brooklyn on Friday. Shut up. Really? I'm going a day early to go see him. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't think he was even touring anymore. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, Does he play mostly but, uh, White Stripes? I'm going with some NFL people. I will not say who they are, but uh, – they're big music aficionados, so I'm going up a day early. They uh, procured an extra ticket, so I'm like, hell yeah. I can't wait till TMZ spots uh, Lock and Four and, and, and Goodell at uh, a No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not, it's not league office people. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, it looks like there was actually a <laughs> soccer match on Saturday. It was uh, Deportivo Cruz Azul and the Lobos of Buop again, uh, playing each other on Saturday, and then a, a concert, the uh, the Miércoles prior. Um, Miércoles, uh, it's Telehit, summer 25 anniversary of Telehit. Uh, so 
that's what ruined the that's what ruined the field for the uh, for the NFL's big spectacle. I am sure they are just thrilled about it. Uh, the other news that came out of um, and by the way, the total on this game. If if your site still has sixty two and a half, which is what it came down to when um and you want to bet the over, now's not a terrible time because it will probably go uh it's actually off the board now. I would anticipate that the total will be higher now that they're playing in Los Angeles, right? More points scored in LA than in uh I would think you don't have the altitude and all the you know, the additional travel and the unfamiliarity of the stadium and you know, sight lines and all those little things that could tend to make um, the rhythm and, and tempo offense a little bit off. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I would think it would I would think it would go up. Yeah, I would think so too. And now I'm curious the total too. The, I mean the the points read. I mean the the Rams were two and a half point favorites, and now um, they're playing at home. Yeah, that'll move significantly. Yeah. yeah. So I would expect you can get serious value on the Chiefs when that comes out. If you if you like the Rams and you see that two and a half point out there, uh, probably go ahead yeah, you and grab be diving it. on that. Yeah, dive on that. Uh, okay. Uh, while while we, but I'm, I'm not saying that as I endorse that bet because I actually like the Chiefs in this spot. But I'm just saying if yeah, I, no, 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 if I you agree. Like the Rams. Yeah. You, you you should love them now because you're not going to like them as much tomorrow. That's right. That's a good point. I, I by the way, you're uh, two and one. Did you go two and one in your picks? One and two. Oh one no! It's my first losing week in a while. Yeah, the Eagles. The Eagles let me down. Yeah, that was a bad. They didn't. They were not good against the the, the Cowboys. Um, all right, Le'Veon Bell. The other big news that happened on a Tuesday afternoon, casual Tuesday in the NFL. You and I are just trying to spend some time with our kids, and the NFL is blowing us up here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell decided not to report as as you have reported for weeks now, and as we expected, uh, based once he figured out that he could uh, use the CBA to not show up and to advance the the tag. What happens next for Le'Veon Bell? Um, it's a while before anything happens, right? I mean, it'll be the the uh, the 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 beginning of the new league year before anything any yep. other Le'Veon Bell news happens, right? Mid March. Yes, the window to franchise him will be in february it usually dovetails with the combine they'll put a transition tag on him based on everything i've heard and then there'll be a grievance to determine um or i should say a hearing more than a grievance an arbitration hearing to determine you know what that figure should be the nfl will argue well he didn't play last year so he didn't have a salary last year so it should be for what the regular running back uh transition total is which which will be around 10 million the NFLPA will argue no; it should be 120 percent of his last salary, which, which was the 12.2 he made on the franchise tag in 2017, which brings us right back to 14.5. So that's the most it will be, and then we'll see what's out there for him. You know, he can shop his wares, get that offer sheet, see who's going to bite, um, see at what you know what what he can do that would be too much for. Uh, you know, too, too rich for the the Steelers' blood, and and you know, I, I'm I will be very intrigued to see what kind of real guarantees he gets, and and whether it's just two years or whether those guarantees into three years, you know, how much of it is based on uh, per game roster bonuses, how much year one money is there. I mean, he walked away from twenty one million dollars this year. Mm. You know, it's not the fourteen five. He had twenty one million fully guaranteed in the first year of that deal, so. You know, that's sort of where the barometer starts. And under the, the 2017 offer, I think it would have been... $30 million in the first two, right? It was like 30 It was more than... It was like 30 I thought it was like 30 I thought it was... Maybe it's 35 I don't know. 33 or something like that. Okay. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was 32 five. You know? He would have had that at 
between the year he made twelve. So he's he's twenty. He's chasing twenty one million dollars basically. Yikes! But we'll see. If somebody guarantees him thirty five or something like that. Then you know what? If somebody gives him thirty six million for two years, fully guaranteed. Uh, you know, or thirty five or whatever it ends up being. Then then you could say that you know he, he came out at least even, and he exerted his will, and he, he, you know, he protected his body for a year, and all that. I mean, it's just, it's uncharted territory, but uh, I'll just go back to the fact that nobody wanted to rent him for eight million bucks at the deadline. If I'm his agent, that's got me a little bit spooked. Mm. Wait, so, so you are, I mean, you're, you're under the impression he has made a mistake here, right? I don't know. No, I'm not going to judge him. I mean, I, I, I think he's made a game. I think he's taken a significant gamble. Doesn't mean it's a mistake. Um, I mean, look, uh, there's no way to, to completely gauge or, or 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 account for future potential injury. Has he made himself less injury prone? I don't know. He's going to be a year older whenever he comes back, and there's no way to know. He plays a sport that's is full of collisions, and the next hit may be your last. So. There's no way to know if he's any more or less at risk, but he clearly did not want to play this year unless he had significantly more than $21 million fully guaranteed. Now, again, what that turns out to be and how feasible that is, and does somebody just want to give – somebody's like, okay, I'll give you I'll give you 15 or $16 million, but, you know, it's going to be this, a, a three- or four-year structure, and I'm only going to guarantee the first year with rolling guarantees after that, you know, that automatically renew – um, as long as you're healthy every April 14th or whatever. But how much better is that structure than what he could have had on the Steelers? I don't know. And the other thing is, wherever he goes, he's not going to have A.B. He's not going to have Juju. He's not going to have Ben. And most importantly of all, and, and he's not going to have those two tight ends mm. who both can block, and he's not going to have that offensive line. And and I, I don't know that there's a better line in football right now. And Maybe that – look, at the end of the day, it's about the money, and we'll see. But what does this mean for his career? What does it mean for, you know, the Hall of Fame? I mean, what does it mean for his – I had an agent call me over the weekend and say, just think about it. He's like, what do you think Franco Harris gets stuffed in his pocket? Not that he does everything – like, not that he's doing it for money all the time. Right. But how, what do you think the ancillary income is for just Franco Harris? You know what I mean? Being around the Pittsburgh area – and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Going to galas, this speaking function, that speaking function. Like he's going to be reviled by Steeler Nation. Not that that's how you should make your business decisions, but like he's not going to be remembered as an all-time great Steeler. You know what I mean? And no. people aren't going to embrace him down the road. And if he does make the Hall of Fame, I'm guessing it's going to be wearing you know the whatever the, the helmet of the second or the third team he played for. And you know you can you're a legend in Pittsburgh. It's not like being a legend, you know in Jacksonville or Arizona, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. It's a harder club to break into. And if you break into it, it's going to set you up for other ways post-career um, that there just aren't many fan bases and, and many, you know, uh, NFL cities that will sort of embrace you. So, I mean, not, again, look, it's a dollars and cents move. He, you know, at the end of the day, if, if he ends up getting himself 35 million more guaranteed, then it's a wash, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, so no, I, I don't know, Will, if it's if it's a mistake or not. Mm. I, I don't know that anybody knows, but I, I mean, I'll say this: if I'm another team, man, and I'm looking at what Connor's doing with those pieces. I, I wouldn't and I'm sign it. I'm looking at right? Le'Veon Bell and saying I'm going to have to pay him six 
well, 30, what's Connor make it? 550 or something? Yeah. 30 times a year with that guy made without all that other stuff that makes that offense go. And I'm supposed to think he's going to be the same player a year older. And I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be a hell of a, of an economic experiment here when we get to March. All right, let me. I just had one one thought earlier that I wanted to run by you. What what happens if the Steelers transition tag him and Le'Veon Bell and his agent go out in the open market and they shop him around and they get what you were talking about, like an offer from the let's just hypothetically an offer from the Jets that pays him uh, fourteen million a year with twenty five million dollars guaranteed and like up front, and then it's like a rolling pick up the option after the second year, and that's the best offer he gets. I mean, what the hell happens then? Because he either has to come back and play one more year on the transition tag, or just take the lesser offer, right? I mean, or sit out another year. I mean, or what happens if they if they match? What, what, what let's or they I mean, match it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or they match it, and then at some point they could always trade him too. I just, I mean, like, um, there's a. But th- here's the thing: he saved them. $15 million this year. Yep. Like, that's $15 million they had budgeted to spend on player costs. They spent none of it. They may end up getting multiple home games, which is a bonanza, and going to a Super Bowl, and they've still got that in their back pocket. And they, I can just tell you this. I, I, I'm Look, a week ago I was like, Connor should be in the discussion for MVP. He should be in the top six. But he also runs in a style that may not be that durable. Mm. And – you know, they can squat on Bell. Like, they, they, you know, they can't give a Con- Connor a contract next year if they wanted to, right? right? They can't even think about renegotiating him until after his third year. And, like, they might look at it the way the Saints are looking at things right now and say, let's say they do have a great run this year, even if they win it. And, you know, even if they do give throw a little something, something, something at Ben, like, that, they could still be in a position to say, you know what, Lenny Belkis is our best shot to win it next year, especially if, God forbid, Connor goes down. They sure. can use Le'Veon Bell split out as a wide receiver. Look, if he had to come back this this you know this year, you, you weren't necessarily going to see him competing with Connor. You were going to see him taking time away from Washington and Switzer and those guys. He was going to be first folded into the passing game, and then once they think he's got his legs under him, he'll get more carries and he'll share the load a little more with Connor. But like they got plenty of ways they could use him. Yeah, and let's not forget that, like, I mean, James Conner, way back in college, I, I, I can't remember if he had a, I don't think he tore his ACL in college. He tore his ACL in, in the pros, right? I mean, like, he, you know, he's had, he's, he's torn his ACL, and, um, and, he, and additionally, like, he's battled, like, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I mean, like, it's not, I mean, you know, he's had health issues in the past, so it's not like it's a guaranteed that he's gonna stay healthy. He's in the concussion protocol as recently as last week. Um, they obviously can't get Bell back. Is there any chance that they rescind the franchise tag, or rescind, they don't tag Bell at all next year in order to let him walk and get a compensatory pick. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I really don't. They've been investigating the transition tag for a long time. I know they've had many conversations with the NFL Management Council going back to, you know, late summer about how they thought that would play out. And I, they, they, I think to them it'd be worth it to be able for them to make the decision. I mean, mm. the compensatory pick. Who knows what they're going to do in free agency that, you know what I mean? That other year, I mean, maybe it's a three, but there's no guarantee. And if his market's a little soft, it's more like a four. I think it's worth it to them to have this player that they drafted and developed. They get to make the final say, you know what I mean? They get to make the final say of whether he's a Pittsburgh Steeler or not. Yeah, And And that's worth something to them. Yeah. 
And they can, they can, I mean, they can't. And like, they're in win, they're in win now mode. I mean, we're right. talking about a 2020 draft pick. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, like the, the reality is if, like, if Bell can't get a great con, no one's going to poison pill them on Bell. And now like, you can't do it anyway, but like, if they can't get a good contract, if Bell can't get a good contract in the open market, maybe they just bring it back. Who knows? I, look, this whole saga, who would have predicted that we're here in the first place? It's so, crazy. I, I wouldn't be ruling anything out. So elsewhere in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, you've been you've been reporting that the Ravens are in. You've been spot on with the Ravens. It looked like you were spot off because the Ravens came out and started hot, and then they've been on this losing streak. Uh, you reported yeah. over the weekend that John Harbaugh they're headed towards a mutual separation, which is a, a yeah. nice way of saying. And we we talked about this in the podcast the week, you know, last week, and so people, anybody who listened, should have known that was coming. Uh, but what's the deal with the quarterback situation? Because Joe Flacco is battling a hip injury. The Ravens are coming yeah. off a bye. Who's their Week Eleven starter? I believe it will end up being Lamar Jackson. Now, Flacco may make a, you may respond to treatment in a way that that makes him more viable to play by the weekend. But my read on that situation right now is um, it's going to be a lot of reps for Lamar in practice this week, uh, and I, I would be surprised. I'd be surprised if it's not Lamar. Mm. Do you think that makes them better or worse? I think it could make them. Like I, I'll say, I think it could make them more difficult to defend. I think it could make them more difficult to defend. Um, you know, big part of playing quarterback is obviously throwing the football, right? Yeah. But Joe Flacco doesn't do that all that well. Nope. Um, but it's also managing an offense. It's putting yourself in positions that are conducive to game management, winning football, situational football. And then also a defense that's been on the field an average of like almost 35 minutes a game during this three-game winning streak, and that relies on a 36-year-old pass rusher and a 33-year-old free safety um, and a bunch of linebackers, most of whom can't run. Um, you, you probably don't want them on the field that long, especially in the second half of the season as the, the grind is getting to them. So you, you have to run the football. And I went through last night, went through the game books, through every play, every snap of Lamar Jackson this season when he's in at quarterback, and then compared it to the running game when Joe Flacco's under center. Mm -hmm. So Lamar has played 63 snaps by my count this year as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. He's thrown the ball 12 times. I am missing. They don't always label some of these guys who do the game books doing better than others. They don't always label when the quarterback changes. So I've identified 62 of the 63 plays he's been on the field. The 50 run plays that I found with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, 50 carries, 232 yards, wow. 4.64 per carry. That would be 10th in the NFL in per carry rushing. With Joe Flacco at quarterback, they've run the ball 181 times for 502 yards, 2.77 per carry. The league average is 4.38. The worst team in the league is Arizona at 3.41. Baltimore's second worst at 3.61. But with Joe Flacco under center, it's 2.77. That, my friends, coupled with a quarterback who's 27th in QB rating, 20th in touchdowns, 8th worst in interception percentage, 31st in yards per attempt, 20th in 25-yard plays, and 28th in completion percentage, is that winning football? Mm. No, it's not. So take the hip out of it. You've got Cincinnati giving up 500 yards a game and 32nd in the league 
allowing 5.0 yards per carry. But they do have an offense that has owned the Ravens for years, even without A.J. Green. I'm just going to run RPOs with Lamar Jackson the next two weeks against Oakland. Um, you know, who do they have? They've got Oakland. They've got Tampa coming up. And I'm going to try to get myself above 500 for that Atlanta game. And I'm going to let Joe rest his hip. And I'm probably not going back to Joe regardless anyway because this team, as you and I have long documented, is not, they're not a viable January football team. And they, 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 have, changes they, have, ahead. they have five of the worst defenses in football coming up in a row. The Bengals, who have just given up 500 yards uh, total in, in, I think, uh, three straight games. The Raiders, who look like a JV squad. Uh, the Falcons, that'll be indoors. Um, and then, and then the Chiefs in, uh, in, in Kansas City. I mean, that's four defenses you can score on pretty easily. Like, that's a good. But also, three of those teams can score on you in an instant, and sure. your defense is not what you think it is. Don't, sure. don't believe the stats. Believe the film. You're not going to be ranked number one for long. That's changing. Right. You know, you're, you're playing real quarterbacks now. So they need to be a ball control offense. They, they can't be a ball control offense with Flacco. That's, that's proven. Like, that's not going to get better. Just because Ronnie Stanley missed a game or two, that's not why they can't run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball in traditional run, run looks all season long. The only time – I mean, the old, Lamar Jackson's got to carry for 20. He's got to carry for 17. The guys only, the guys only run the ball, uh, you know, 30-some times this year. He counts for like five of their top eight running plays all season. Like, you're not a passing team, yet you're throwing the ball 65% of the time because you've got this quarterback and you think can hit bombs, but there's nobody to throw it to. Mm. And now he's, he's, he's got a gimpy hip. He, he's immobile to begin with, which is why people don't have to respect you in the box. And so now on one hip, he's going to get better? Mm. I would be switching regardless. Yeah, and then by the way, the Buccaneers are after that. I mean, this is a, this is, if you, you couldn't script a better spot to start Lamar Jackson. I mean, you just couldn't. Like. I, I, that, that, it screams it. It screams it to me. You know, and everybody's like, oh, and he can't pass, whatever. Well, I mean, it's a very limited sample size, but he also has a QB rating of 108. Like, I mean, I'm just saying. He's 7 for 12. But, like, the only time Hayden Hurst has looked like a football player this year has been, like, when he's on the field with Lamar Jackson. That goes back to the preseason. You know, and that's the kid they took before Lamar Jackson, who was supposed to be the move tight end to compliment John Brown and actually give him two guys who can get downfield. Crabtree ain't getting any better. Willie Sneed ain't getting any better. Yeah. You know, you've seen more Chris Moore lately just because he's, he's got a little bit of twitch to him and some swivel on his hips, and he can run after the catch a little bit. Like, no, no, nobody on the team runs after the catch. Like, they're getting no yak. But, and I'm not saying Lamar won't make mistakes and all that, but, like, I would be making the switch. Mm. Just I, on football. Just on, for football reasons. That's is fascinating. That schedule is really interesting for Lamar Jackson because, I mean, Look, the dude can the dude can make plays, and I I I don't know. I just think that if you if you could put him out there and run a college scheme RPO, I mean, what, what, read look option at what offense. the Bears did for Trubisky. You know what right, I mean? Just right. go like Harbaugh. You're an Andy Reid disciple. Like go call Andy Reid and say, what plays? Did, you know, what did Nagy steal from your playbook? Okay, can we <laughs> can we can you ship some of that fax that to Morningwig? <laughs> Wait, Marty Morningwig ran it with Michael Vick. He should know yeah. it, right? I mean, like, come yeah. on. I mean, like, yeah. Mm, I mean. All right. Alex Collins looks like an NFL starting running back when Lamar Jackson's on the field. When Lamar Jackson's not on the field, again, 2.77 yards per carry. And that's on almost 200 attempts. That's not a fluke. That's who they are with Joe under center in their traditional offense. You're right. Okay, sticking in the NFC, uh, AFC North, excuse me, with the team that they're actually playing this week, the Cincinnati Bengals, um, they hired Hugh Jackson, right? Like, why, why did they hire? Yeah. 
Why did they hire Hugh Jackson? He's a font of football acumen. <laughs> no, you know what? Look, he knows the division. You know what I think of Hugh Jackson as a head coach. He's a clown. But yeah. He's in that. He was in that division. You know, he did beat Baltimore a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. One of his three wins was against the Ravens, twelve nine, um, in overtime, I believe. That was yeah, that was an overtime game. Uh, they faced the Bengals twice coming up, right? He he, you know. They faced the Browns I'm twice. I'm sorry, they Browns, faced the yeah, Browns yeah. twice. Now it's him on the Bengals. He has a chance, so, as, I, as I tweeted last night, he has a chance to um, beat the Browns or lose to the Browns as many times as he won games for the Browns in the same season. That's incredible. Yeah, and he's coached, he's coached in Baltimore before. He knows a lot of that Cincinnati. personnel. A lot of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The, the, the wide receivers have changed, but, I mean, some of the pieces on the offensive line, Flacco, whatever. Now, again, I don't think Flacco's playing this game, but we'll see. So... I get it. He's Marvin's guy. He's coached. I mean, Marvin had him. He's coached there in various capacities. Wasn't he on the defensive side of the ball with Marvin for one no, year? No, no, no. He, so he started as the wide receivers coach back when Ocho Cinco was there. And then he left and took the Raiders job, Raiders OC job. Then he was the Raiders head coach when he, and that's when he traded for Palmer. And then he got fired from the Raiders job. Remember Al Davis died and he had like, he like. Yeah, no, I remember all that. But yeah. then when he went back to Cincinnati, wasn't he like coaching secondary or something? No, it would have been Kevin Corley. I, I could have sworn. For one year, he was helping on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe I made that up. Uh, let me, I'll tell you in a second, but I mean, if, if we believe Wikipedia, uh, he came back and was the, uh, you're right. Great, great call. Secondary. He coached defense with, I, I could have sworn, right? Secondary. They, they fired their D coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I could have sworn he spent the year in that system. They're still basically running Marvin's defense, whether right. it was Gunther in the past or now, you know, Terrell Austin up until two days ago. I, I could have sworn he coached he was, secondary. or He was on the defensive side of the ball for you. He years. was the assistant DB's coach as well as assisting on special Second. teams. Because he had gotten fired. He got fired, and he came back. And, oh, God, I forgot he interviewed for the Panthers offensive coordinator position. My goodness. Um, and then he took the um, – and then he then he replaced Jay Gruden as the OC. Then he then he switched over to yes. running backs coach. Then he re, then he replaced Jay Gruden as the OC. Um, and then he left and took the the uh, the Browns jobs after like seven years total with the Bengals. So anyway, yeah, I mean, now, like, bringing he, in a personality like that to a team that's at a crossroads and looks like the bottom's falling out. And they've lost three or four. Like if I'm Billy Lazor right now, I'm probably looking over my shoulder. Like, yeah. you know, really? Like we lost. And I, I mean, like last week was bad, but. The offense was humming early. Then Mixon went out for a while. You know what I mean? Then Eifert went out. And now A.J. Green's out. And they still don't have a very good offensive line. And Andy Dalton's still the quarterback. Like, you know, I I would think a lot of this would be getting, you know, he and Marvin working on the defensive game plan. But, you know, Hugh, he's not going to bite his tongue. So could this torpedo their season? Crazier things have happened. But I don't mind. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, this and is this Marvin Lewis's last stand? And if so, he's going to go down with his guys, guns a-blazing, right? So, you think it's a chance? Do you think it's a chance he gets fired after the season? I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach. They're giving up 500 yards per game. They've given up 158 points in four weeks. That's not good. It's not. It's not, yeah. that's not a good number. I mean, that's an average of 39.5 a game over a month of an NFL season. That's only what four months long. September, October, <laughs> November. That's, I mean. Yeah, like I would, I mean, it's, look, that's, you know, there's a, you know, you used to have sort of, you know, Planet Al Davis, and now you got Planet Haslam and Planet, you know, Jerry, but that's also Planet Mike Brown. Like, that's a different, that's in a different solar system. Like, reason and norms don't apply there. Like, that, he's going to do what he wants to do, and 
maybe he signs up. They're, to me, the Bengals are a very interesting team. Like, I just started looking through their roster and everything. Well, like, let's well let's segue to this. Cause I don't know how close they are. You know what I mean? It seems like a circle closing. It seems like they've gotten a little long in the tooth. The defense used to be their calling card. Like, if you're this far away defensively with Geno Atkins, then – you know what I mean? Maybe the picks are worth more than the player, or at least the potential of the picks. I, I, same thing with Andy Dalton. I, I'm just—I'll be intrigued to see what they do this offseason if the bottom does fall out. You know what I mean? And if they are making a coaching change, will the next coach? You know what I mean? Will he say, "I want Andy Dalton's aged 31, 32, 33 seasons," or I'd like to trade those off and it's an imminently tradable contract? You know what I mean? And get my guy. Maybe not even in this draft, but but maybe in the next one. But I don't think we're ever winning with Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton's never won in the playoffs. And I'm not putting that all on him, but that is the reality. You know, there's some there's some interesting questions to be asked. I mean, you trade Geno Atkins and and Andy Dalton, you could kickstart a rebuild. All right, well, let's, let's talk about this because you and we, we talked about it before the podcast and said that this is sort of the, the main topic of this. And you've got a column that's on CBSSports.com. Um, if it's not up by Wednesday morning, then just blame an editor. Uh, but it'll be up by Wednesday. It'll, it'll be up by, we do. Yeah, that's right. It'll be up by Wednesday at noon at the very latest, I'm sure. Uh, and the, the, the concept is basically that the, because of the, and I think that this applies to more than just quarterbacks, but basically the quarterback market might be more active via trade than via free agency in the draft, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at all the moves that were made last year, and we're not going to have a record number, quantity, or quality in that regard. But saying all that, I mean, as I, as I size it up right now, you're still looking at conservatively the Giants, Dolphins, Bucks, Jags, and Broncos all in the QB market, right? Then if Tom Brady hangs it up, obviously <laughs> New England's in sure. the quarterback market. Uh, and then, you know, you've got some of these other situations where if Cincinnati, like I say, let's just say that this is it for, for, uh, Marvin this, Lewis. this is it for Marvin. The yeah. next guy, whoever it is, Eric Bieniemy, I don't know, whoever, John DeFilippo, whatever they hire, um, that guy might say, I like Andy Dalton, but I might like, you know, a, a one and something else for him more. I mean, the reality of Andy Dalton is he'll be going to his age 31 season. There'd be no dead, no more guaranteed money. There'd be no dead cap involved in a trade whatsoever, and he's got two years left uh, where you know he's making like sixteen million dollars. Yeah, he's making sixteen like, sixteen point two, uh, or no, sixteen million in, in two thousand nineteen and seventeen five in uh, in yeah. In so he's averaging like whatever less than seventeen million on the final two years of that deal. I mean, that's what that's what you know eight quarters, ten quarters of Sam Bradford costs. You know what I mean? The Cardinals <laughs> last year. Now, maybe somebody comes in there like a enemy who's running RPOs and says, you know what, he is still, you know, he's always been more mobile than people give him credit for. Yeah. And they do some run action stuff now, and I want to live with him for a couple of years. But I don't know. You know, that defense, it's historically bad right now with Geno Atkins. He'll be 31 next year. You know, there's, there's, you could trade him. He's got four years left. You, can, you might be able to get a bonanza for that guy. Now, I'm not saying he's slowing down or anything like that, but – are the the Bengals are kind of like the Ravens and and the Jags, like some of these teams that are they're really treading water, even though they think they're not. And at some point, do you have to reboot the whole thing to get out of this vortex where you're finishing, you know, somewhere between seven wins and nine wins most years? I, I'll be, you know, I mean, I, you've got to think whoever comes in there next, Vontez Perfect is gone, right? He's the first guy you cut. Yeah, sure. You save money and cap by cutting him. You know, Carlos Dunlap. I mean, that's another guy. 
you could get interesting with the Bengals roster next year under a different coach with a blank slate. And you know what I mean? And see how, how you want to go about doing things. But the, the free agent class is Teddy Bridgewater and then a bunch of, you know, Fitzmagic, Josh McCowan, you know, Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, those type of guys. So there's really only one free agent. <clears throat> so then it's the trade market, which I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking outside of the box with, with Andy Dalton, but like Jacoby Brissett, somebody should trade for him. Andrew Luck's okay. His arm's not going to fall off. Right. You know, they could get, like if I'm the New York football giants and I don't get Teddy Bridgewater, then I'm thinking about maybe Jacoby Brissett or, okay, maybe we eat the, we, we take on that 18 million for Case Keenum with $7 million guaranteed, you know, because we know it's a system fit for a year, and the quarterback class isn't good this year, and Herbert's staying in Oregon, but he and Tua are coming out the, the following year. You know, so maybe I, I go with Keenum for a year yeah. and see if he can get the ball in boots and waggles to, you know, Odell and, and, and Shepard and those guys. You know, does anybody take a flyer on Joe Flacco at his current salary? You know, what happens with Jameis Winston and that fifth-year option? Does he come back, play okay in December? Maybe you get something for him. Um, you know, what about if, if, if Tom Brady retires? What about Jacoby Brissett back to New England? That might be their best bet, mm. you know, for, for a short-term fix. I mean, everybody's been for sale in Oakland. Derek Carr to Miami, I, that just seems like – that 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 would make a lot of sense for me. I mean, Stephen Ross trying to. I mean, that and that that contract. I mean, you, you Derek Carr is controllable for the next four years at basically twenty million a year. You could basically rent him year to year at the twenty sixteen QB franchise tag. That's not a terrible. So Gruden, yeah, it's not a terrible I mean, price. that could be two ones. You know what I mean? Like that could be worth two ones. Mm. Do you? Uh, what do you think about the fact that the entire Carr family? I won't stop talking about this. But it's the third straight day I've talked about this on this podcast. What do you think about the fact that the entire Carr family blocked me on Twitter? Oh, really? Yeah, Derek. Derek. How many of them? How many of the of them are uh, they're in their Carr clan? Derek, David, David, like tweet quote David. Tweet. Okay. Okay, and uh, Darren. There's a Darren Carr too. There's who's a like, Darren. Who's like the Cooper Manning? What did you? What? What? How did you uh, incur their wrath and ire? I pointed out. I. I tweeted a clip of Derek Carr throwing the ball into the ground on fourth and five, down fourteen points in the in the red zone on a screen pass to Jalen Richard. It was like, uh, and uh, and Derek Carr quote tweeted, he was like, "It's a screen pass. There's nowhere else he could go," and then blocked me on Twitter. What do you mean? There's no, just throw it up for grabs at that point. Just throw right? up a part in a hail mary. Exactly. I mean, what do you mean? Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. They're they're being very sensitive. It leads me to believe that in fact. There's a chance we see, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Raiders ship out Derek Carr. I mean, I mean, I mean like, there's also, with that much term left and it's pay as you go at that rate, you could also, if you're, if you're, if you're Gruden and you don't love this year's quarterback class and you do love next year's quarterback class, you could, you could have the potential to trade down off some picks this year, get more future picks to make sure you're all over the 2020 draft, and you could rent, rent Derek Carr for one more year as well. That's why I think it would take two ones to get him because of the contract mm. and because this guy was an MVP candidate, you know, albeit three years ago or whatever, but, like, that did happen. Um, you know, and then if you're John, then you're John Gruden, you could go rent Case Keenum for a year because nobody cares about the 2019 season anyway for them and then go get your quarterback in 2020. Right. Uh, interesting quote, by the way. I mean, it's not interesting. It's not surprising. Uh, but uh... – I, I just, uh, I'm looking at this, um, from, oh, here it is. Uh, it's, it's Mark Davis. 
and he. In an oh, yeah, that interview with uh, Paul, with, with ESPN yeah, out with there. Yeah, that Paul, was interesting. Yeah, with Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, he says it's all. It's been all part of an evolution, but I think it's becoming clearer and clearer to John as well that the talent is just not here at this time. This is Davis after the loss to the Chargers on Sunday night, and then he adds the drafts did not help supplement what we were doing in the free agent market. If you look at our roster now, it's a bunch of free agents. Oh, he destroys. Right, he just destroys Reggie. Mc. Basically, he's like Reggie stopped being a good GM like after his second draft. Yeah. Was Basically, the Cliff Notes version yeah. of what Mark Davis said. Yep, exactly. Um, and he's like, Reggie and I need to sit down and talk and figure out how we're going to go about the future. we got to look in the mirror and figure out where the hell did we go wrong and try to build this thing. We failed. I have failed. But at the same time, we wouldn't have been in the great position we were in without Reggie McKenzie being here. I mean, it's, it's obvious. That- and, and then, oh, and, oh, by the way, I'm not firing myself. I can't wait to, for them to build this stadium for me. So Reggie's going to take the bullet. Right. Reggie's, yeah, it's clear that Reggie's being the scapegoat here. But I, mean, I guess I wonder, like, if you can – if I mean, it's almost like if Derek Carr looks this terrible, and he has looked terrible, and he's looked unhappy, and he, I mean, like, could he demand a trade? Would he? Would he? Would he be the type of guy who would do that? Would Would Gruden? Be- I wouldn't think so. I don't think it would. I don't think it would come to that. Um, and everything I've heard from people close to him is that he wants to be a Raider and he wants to see this through, and he and Gruden are cool. And like, don't. It's not that he and Gruden have a problem. Like. When I first talked to you about this this possibility, because GMs around the league are telling me we think Carr's next, just reading the tea leaves, it's not an indictment on Derek Carr, and it's not that he can't get along with Gruden or he's not Gruden's guy, but like they're literally ripping it up. Like, wait till we get to the combine, and they've totally ripped it down. So at that point, and you don't care what your product looks like in 2019, they won't care. I'm just telling you. Right. You but know, that do you cool? risk? Waiting another year to eventually make this move because at some point he's closer to, you know, I mean, at at some point there's going to be a quarterback who Gruden falls in love with in the draft, right? I mean, I think that's just that's who he is. That's how he's wired. Like, that's probably where this thing is going. With four controllable years left at that salary, like, why would they not listen on him? They've listened on everybody else. Like, now you could say, well, because you can keep him, but – if he keeps getting abused each season, does it start to look like diminishing returns as well? With each injury, he looks less and less like the Derek Carr we saw three years ago. I'm not saying that that means that's exactly the, the, the slope that his career is going to go on. I, I, I like him a lot as a player. I championed him coming out of the draft. I thought that was a great selection. You know, I thought he, he's a guy who could help that turn that franchise around, and, and it, he did for a while. But Gruden has all these draft picks the next two years, and you're not going to tell me that he's not, not going to be sitting at some spot where he really, really wants to take a quarterback? No, and I, he seems to be doing things ever since the Mac trade, getting out in front of stuff like Amari Cooper. So I have a hard time thinking there. And, and then I just laid it out. There's not much in the draft, and here's who he's competing with on the trade market and the free agent market. And there's going to be six to eight teams that want quarterbacks. Derek Carr would be pretty attractive to a lot of them, whether it's the Giants, as we talked about in the past, or if they don't want to rent that much of their, their, you know, mortgage that much of their future for this guy, then, you know, maybe they trade whatever, the second pick of the second round plus something else for Jacoby Brissett. Or, like I say, maybe New England, you know, is willing to trade its pick at the end of the first round for Jacoby Brissett if Tom Brady retires. I mean, whatever. And, you know, all these are contingencies and, and hypotheticals, but I think we start spinning the quarterback class forward. I I think trades are going to are going to be where the, the interesting action is. Well, and it's all is it possible that the Raiders could even be out there and say, "Okay, look, 
you know, guys, because you get to the combine, right? At that point, you know who's in the draft. You know who's not in the draft. The Raiders might, like, let's say Justin Herbert goes back and, um, you know, Will Greer's the only, you know, there's just nobody that Gruden loves. Is it possible he goes out and says, hey, look, I'll trade Derek Carr for a 2020 first? I mean, you don't see that very sure. often. But I mean, he could say, like, give me a 2020 first and a 2020 second. Derek Carr is yours. I mean, I feel like that that's not off the table. Right? I mean, he could take a 2020 first and a 2021 second. I mean, like, yeah, yeah I mean, there's – a bunch of different ways to skin the cat that makes the team giving up those picks feel a little better about it. That, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly not a player away. Like they can't win football games, period, as presently constructed with Derek Carr. Right. You know, so how far away are they from doing that? And at that point, is Derek Carr an ascending player or a descending player? And does Gruden just plain fall in love with some kid in the next two drafts, which I have a hard time thinking he's not going to, you know, um, and he's going to be able to pick control his lot. He's going to be able to pick first in the next two or three drafts. He just is. So whether it's Herbert or Tua or whoever, at some point he's going to see the inherent value in having one of those guys at 6 million a year for the next four years. You know what I mean? Versus Derek Carr at 20. And Oh, by the way, I can get a bunch for Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, I want to read something to you really quickly. I want you to guess what quarterback I'm talking about. This is John Gruden. Do you, stop me if you know what this is. This is John Gruden writing about a quarterback before the 2017 NFL draft. I'm not going to use his name. Writing about, writing about he, him? He wrote about him for the ESPN. Piece? It's okay. a, John Gruden wrote it himself. I'm sure, I'm sure okay. he didn't transcribe it to somebody. Uh, sure. Blank is the draft's most pro-ready QB. Blank is ready to walk in and be a contributor from day one. He just looks like a pro quarterback coming out of the huddle, running an offense with different formations, shifting, motioning, different patterns that other colleges don't run. Blank will recognize route combinations and associate formations. Most importantly, he will be able to get in the huddle from day one and look at 10 grown men and tell them where to go and what to do and handle a versatile snap count. He has a vast amount of experience, not only in running different offenses, but dealing with a lot of different teammates in the huddle, and then he goes on to say, there are no red flags with blank. 2017 draft? Yeah. I mean, I know he loved Connor Cook. (laughs) It's not Connor Cook. But I don't think he could have loved him that much. I think it's a 2017 draft. Yeah, 2017 draft. Do you want to know who it is? I mean, is it it Mahomes? It's Nathan Peterman. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Yes, I swear it is. He said, Nathan Peterman says, there are no red flags with Peterman. He probably bores people because he doesn't have incredible measurables. He does not run four or five. He's not six foot five. He's just a consistent down to down performer. <laughs> Beating Clemson remains a signature win. This is incredible. My God. This is why you don't go into the media and then back into coaching. Cause like, what are you going to, I mean, what are you going to do here? Like with, with that? I mean, what do you do with that? Should you go sign? You pick Nathan Peterman. You pick Nathan Peterman up on waivers. Start him. I guess. I guess. What you do? I guess. I don't know. I mean, he had like I think I'm sure he had him in his QB room. Um, so apparently John Gruden loved Nathan Peterman, who Nathan Peterman, by the way, cut by the Bills. No surprise there. Uh, well, actually, I guess it was surprising because Sean McDermott's been treating him like a Game of Thrones character that he tortures for fun. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, I just think, I think that Gruden, but I think the larger point of that is not so much to make fun of Gruden, but that, that is a larger point, but also that Gruden, Gruden's gonna fall in love, you're right, Gruden's gonna fall in love with somebody. Well, I, mean, I remember Gruden really loving Bruce Gradkowski. I mean, I can remember, yeah, I mean, 
Jeff Garcia, right? I mean, it's yeah. His, it's his M.O. That's what he does. He, he's like, I love this quarterback. It's time to make him mine. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he rides it. I don't know. It just seems like if you're going to blow the, th- if you're going to blow the, and, and in that, in that ESPN piece too, Mark Davis points out that, um, they couldn't pay Khalil Mack because, I mean, that's what he claims. That's anyway. baloney. I, I know, that's I know, baloney. I know. But I mean, he's, I'm not going to listen to any owner cry poor. They're building you a, they're giving you $750 million in right. essence for free. Right. And, and creating all the infrastructure to build a stadium for you in Las Vegas right. on the strip. Shh. Hush. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just. You doff protest too much. Shh. I'm just saying that if he's out there publicly pointing out the problems of the finances of the Mac deal and the car deal, it's possible that they would like to get out from under that car deal and just. Well, the car, but I mean, the car deal. It's not bad, but it's still $20 million. It's dude, I'm not, $20 million, I mean. Again, Sam Bradford made sixteen million this year for doing nothing. Mike Glennon made eighteen million the year before that for doing nothing. Brock Osweiler made thirty two over two or whatever, thirty what was it, thirty five, thirty six, five over two for doing nothing. Like that's the I mean, yeah, I would cast my lot with Derek Carr all day long. That's why again I think he would fetch more than most would assume, just looking at the stats the last two years. Because he's young enough, there's upside. He has produced at the NFL level. Um, Who would you rather trade for? It's a, it's a, it's a. He could be traded multiple times on that contract. Like somebody could get him for two years, draft their guy, and then trade him on somewhere else. Like, who, go look at the contract. Who, I know. I, I got it in front of me. Who would you rather trade for, Andy Dalton or Derek Carr? It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm trading for Derek Carr because he's a controllable asset longer, mm. and he's younger. Yep. And I think he's better when he's right. He hasn't been right for a while. Um, I think there's a chance you get, like, I think Andy Dalton is who he is. I think there's a chance you get Derek Carr close to being where he was before the injuries. You know, I think Andy Dalton, it, it is what it is. He, you can, if you've got a good team, you'll win a bunch of regular season games with Andy Dalton. Um, but, you know, that, I think that's sort of where it goes. Derek Carr needs a, a better system in place for him. I just don't think... I don't think he fits this Gruden. Like he just doesn't. He hadn't seemed comfortable all year. I mean, and he's got a crap team. I mean, like the team's playing like crap around him. I, I don't know. I, I if I was um, if I were the Raiders, I would I would make a trade. And by the way, worth noting, uh, the Raiders are obviously amongst teams that had a scout in the Duke press box on Saturday for uh, at Wallace Wade to watch Daniel Jones play, potential sleeper in the first round. Also, the Seahawks were there. Interesting to, to note the Seahawks were there, scouting out quarterbacks maybe. Who were they playing? Uh, Could it be they were looking at somebody on the other team? Uh, they were playing the Tar Heels, so maybe. Carolina yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of guys. I mean, they could have been, I mean there, there's there's other pro prospects on those teams. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, all right. We ran long. Sorry. Didn't even realize it. There was a good talk about quarterbacks in the free agent. No worries. Movie. Check out Jason Lockenforce's column. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Watch him on the NFL Today. And uh, follow him on Twitter, Jason Lockenforce. Thanks, buddy. You got it, buddy. Talk to you next week.